Thank you, John. Uh, just a quick reminder of something you may or may not have picked up on Newslink, which is that the theme at 11.30 will be different to the one here. We've, we've tried to kind of blend the two, but we're going to make a, a, a break between those two. So it'll be a completely different uh, verse and, and message at 11.30, just so you know. So, good morning. How are you? Happy New Year, if I haven't seen you before this year. Yay! Um, are you uh, having a good time? Yeah, good, 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 good. So, <laughs> we've got the doors closed. What's to complain about? So, um, shaping worship, that's what this new series is going to be about. And we're looking, as I say, at the elements of the communion service because it's got the most bits, the different types, different aspects of a worship service. Um, and uh, we talk about liturgical services, don't we? We, we? What we mean by that is one with lots of words in it, you know, normally in a book or shown on the screen, whereas a non-liturgical service is one which isn't like that. Well, actually, the word liturgy literally means shape. It means the shape of the service. And every service has a liturgy. So the 9 o'clock and the 10.30 select from these elements, the confession, the word, intercession, creed, communion, and sending out. We might use all of those or some of those, depending on the service we're doing. Um, but the 11.30 is uh, a block of sung worship, which will be a bit longer today, won't it, Graham? Um, a bit on the word, and then some ministry. It still has a shape. It still has a liturgy. So actually, it's not quite right to talk about a liturgical service because every service has its shape. And the shape is there for a purpose. And so we're thinking about how we shape our worship. What are we trying to achieve by doing that? So I'll ask that question again. Have you enjoyed the service so far? Yay! Yay. I'm going to ask you a second question. Has God enjoyed our service? Well, we say yes. How do we know? Has it been honouring to him? Does it bring him glory? Is he pleased with our offering? And we only need to look at a few places in the Old Testament to find times when that wasn't the case. In Malachi 1.10, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors, says God, so that you would not light useless fires on my altar, I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, your meetings do more harm than good. Amos, I reject your festivals. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's all about Christchurch. But... Um, are we making presumptions by saying, yeah, of course God likes what we do? And so we're going to ask that question for the next few weeks. Now, I can't claim credit for any of that. If you want to see more on this, look up Francis Chan and um, Is God Pleased With Our Worship? It's an hour-long talk, which I can't top because he's much better at this than I am. But he makes that point. He was a, a mega church pastor who built up a church from his living room to thousands of people. And they started asking that question. Is this pleasing to God, what we're doing? By every metric, they were successful. But is this pleasing to God? One of his elders asked him. He said, of course I am. Of course it is. I'm famous. Um, 
So we seek what is pleasing to God. We're not consumers. We're givers. We come to give to the Lord our bodies and our souls as a living sacrifice to him. It's not about what we get out of it. That's a bonus. It's about what we give to him. So what we're going to do is to look at that passage. Now, honestly, I came to the passage having chosen it about, um, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago. And this happens sometimes. I looked at the passage in preparation for today. What was I thinking? I have no idea what to say. The one I thought I would choose, and this is an insight into your leader here, um, was Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The book of Hebrews, we're not going to be doing a series on the book of Hebrews, but we'll dip into it here or there, is a letter which is written, we don't know by whom, to churches under persecution in Rome, away from everybody else, almost as far away as you could get. And they're house churches, and they're trying to stay faithful, and they know when they step out the door, everybody else is doing something different. And it's a reminder that Jesus is our great high priest. The sacrifices that were, is a very Jewish book, hence the name Hebrews, the sacrifice that Jesus did once for all upon the cross. That comes from Hebrews. And just a reminder of our faith. And it's an encouragement to worship well. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And how opposite is that for us in the midst of a pandemic where we were locked down and legally unable to meet? And everybody has to make their choice for their situation. So what was revealed as I spent more time with this particular passage at the end of the letter was eight things. So some, some sermons might go into a small area and go really deeply into it. Others would be a bit more of an overview. And this is a bit more of an overview to kick starters on this series. So the first one is from that very first verse, family love. Why do we gather? We gather for family love. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, verse 1 says. Romans 8 as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Ephesians 1, we're predestined for adoption. Ephesians 2, we are members of the household of God. So look around you. The people around you are your brothers and your sisters. Now my old dad used to say, he was from a relatively large family, he used to say you can choose your friends but you can't choose your family. And it's true. And you don't choose those in the family of God. If we were to do so, we're not church. Anybody who comes in through that door and gives their life to Christ is our brother or our sister. We don't need to like them, but we do need to love them. Amen? And that is Jesus' commandment in John 13. A new command I give you love one another. How should we love one another? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
And the reason? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Jesus' command to us is to love everybody else in the room, regardless of what we think of them. So the first one is family love. Second one, hospitality to newcomers or strangers. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, that you might remember Genesis 18 we looked at a few weeks ago, where Abraham bowed low, he washed feet, he got bread and milk and milk and, um, uh, sorry, bread and meat and milk and curds prepared for these visitors. It was radical welcome and hospitality. How do we welcome newcomers? Do we offer them coffee? Do we show interest in them? Do we invite them? Or even more radically, do we offer to share our lives with them? So the first one is family love. The second one is hospitality to newcomers. The third one is a heart for the enslaved with a gospel that brings freedom. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams he has shown you? And what does the Lord require of you? You may recognize as the few verses before Micah 6.6. And Micah 6.6 says to act justly, to love mercy, I know you know it, and to walk humbly with God. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, Jesus said. Suffer with others and honour the parts that lack, Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 12. So we have a gospel that brings freedom to people. And you are free indeed. So our heart, as we gather, should be that those enslaved would be set free. Yes? Okay. So we've got family love, we've got hospitality, and we've got a heart for the enslaved with a gospel that brings freedom. The fourth one, accountability and supporting others to grow in holiness. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now that's a whole series all there. We spent seven weeks and we've got the eighth, or where it is, eighth or ninth week on that next week on the LF course. We're not going to go there. For it is written, be holy because I am holy, wrote Peter to the churches, quoting Leviticus 11 and 19. We are called to holiness, to Christ-likeness, to be obedient, to be like God. And if that's not why you came, that's what we're here for, is to be like God. Now, I'm not putting my hand up and saying, like me. That comes later, but I'm talking about that. Be holy, because I'm holy. And so what we do is we hold one another accountable for the way in which we're living out this gospel. I'll say that again. We hold one another accountable for the way in which we live out this gospel. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 is another one of those verses which might be your go-to. Scripture is God-breathed and useful 
for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. That means that in this place, this is what we should be doing. Teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Not saying, oh, that's just them. Or, oh no, it's too hard to have that conversation. We should be holding one another accountable for the way in which we live out the gospel. So family love, hospitality, a heart for the enslaved with a gospel that brings freedom, accountability and supporting others to grow in holiness. Number five, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, a promise of God. So we remember who God is. And if we need to know who God is, we go to his own self-disclosure in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. All the good stuff. Yet, does anybody know where it goes on? He does not leave the guilty unpunished. Our God is a God of love and a God of judgment. He cannot be anything else. And so we come here and we gather as family and brothers and sisters to hold one another accountable and to remember the God that we worship, the actual God we worship that we find in this book. So, family love, hospitality, a heart for the enslaved with a gospel that brings freedom, accountability to support us to be holy and remembering who God is who himself is holy. So why else do we gather? Number six, equipping and encouraging and confidence building. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8. I can do all this through him who gives me strength, Philippians 4. And Jesus' words himself, you will do greater things than these. So we come here to build one another up, not to tear each other down. We come here to gain confidence in the gospel of freedom in confidence in the steps towards a holy life, confidence in the God who gives these promises which are forever. And we go here, go from here, transformed by his Holy Spirit and by the spirit of the brothers and sisters whom we love. So, we've got family love, we've got hospitality, we've got a heart for the enslaved, we've got accountability and supporting the growth in holiness. We've got the remembering who God is and being equipped and encouraged, our confidence built as we go from here. Number seven. <coughs> Leadership and authority. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I said we'd come back to this one. 
If it is to lead, do it diligently, it says in Romans 12. Authority and accountability. I am ordained into this church and I was installed to this church as your leader. And the bishop in doing so said, he gave me the cure of souls for the 5,000 people who live in this parish, which is yours and mine. I therefore have spiritual authority over this church. And that means I have authority over you. And you, referring back to number four, are to hold me accountable to holiness. Because otherwise, it becomes a dictatorship. Yeah? Phew, got away with that one. Um, but it's true. Uh, there's, a, there's a great book by Stephen Cottrell about leadership called Prayer, uh, Leading on Your Knees. Um, and in there, he talks about leading from the middle. You don't lead from the front and look back and see if there's anybody there. And if there isn't, you're not a leader. Have you heard that before? Um, and you don't lead from behind. You lead from the middle amongst everybody else. And you are accountable to those you are leading. But you are given, you have a God-given uh, gift, hopefully, but also burden to lead others. And there's a bit later on in, in this chapter, uh, verse 17. We stopped at verse 8, at verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. That is my privilege and my burden, to watch over your souls. As those who will have to give account. So the leader is not in it for themselves. It's a sacrifice of praise to you for your souls, your relationship with God. And I need you to hold me accountable and Steve and Lisa and Simon and anybody else who stands up here and shares the word of God with you. That we do that for the right reason in the right way. But the other part of that is that we have authority to do so. So we gather for family love, we gather for hospitality, for heart for the enslaved, for accountability, to remember who God is, to equip and encourage and build up confidence and to be under authority. Then finally the perspective, and we're going to sing this song later, and if you come back at 11.30 we might even sing it again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Until we're fully Christ-like, we are infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, it says in Philippians 4. We are not the same. The world is not the same. It's throwing us about all over the place. But God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning 
and the end, says in Revelation 22. So one more time. Family love is why we gather. Hospitality to those who come through the door is why we gather. A heart for the enslaved with a gospel that brings freedom is why we gather. Accountability towards holiness is why we gather. Remembering who God is is why we gather. Equipping and encouraging and building up confidence is why we gather. Being under authority and exercising authority well is why we gather. And having that eternal perspective of the God who never changes, who is full of love and grace and mercy, provides the tools to be holy, and in the final day will judge how we did. Amen? Let me close with a prayer based around the, the full reading from Hebrews 10 about gathering. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, this is what we do at the table here, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is the body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ our Saviour, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.